Welcome to the Growing Rural Podcast, where we focus on all things rural in South Carolina. We will discuss topics on healthcare, economy, education, and the unique culture that is our rural state. This podcast is supported by the South Carolina Center for Rural and Primary Healthcare. Please join us for today's topic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Rural Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Dr. Megan Weiss. Today, we're talking about an exciting new initiative at the Center for Rural and Primary Healthcare, the Rural Libraries and Health Innovations Cooperative Agreement Program. And with me today to talk about the program are Taylor Atkinson, the Interim Director of the Union County Library System, and Rita Drinkwine, a previous director of the Union County Library System, and also the founder and lead consultant at Rad Solutions Consulting. She's also working on her PhD at Clemson in planning, design, and the built environment. Welcome, Taylor and Rita. Thank you, Thank Megan. You. I'm so excited for you to um, join us today and talk about what's going on in Union County, because as you know, um, I talked to you guys a lot as we were thinking about developing this program at the center. And because of your experience with um, working in libraries and having a social worker and really making that connection between uh, libraries and community and health. So it really, truly was an inspiration for this program. Uh, to talk a little bit more about the program is the center was inspired by your work and the work of the Richland Library System and their social work program to put out a call for proposals for projects and communities that would utilize local library systems as a means of community engagement, really being able to connect community members with healthcare resources, either directly or referral, providing care management, and also connections to available social services. So we put out the call and just wanted to see what would come back in those community-oriented solutions versus saying it has to be one program or another program or done exactly one way. And so in October, we announced awards for five communities um, in Charleston, Kershaw, the Tri-County Health Network in Orangeburg, and also in Union County. So to start off, I wonder if you guys could tell us a little bit more about the experience of Union County. Um, uh, well, I guess let's start off with talking about, tell me about Union County before <laughs> we get into all the specifics. Sure. So Union County is very rural. Um, one of the fun facts about Union really is that there's no major interstates running through it. Um, it kind of sits in between Newberry and Spartanburg, and it's sort of nestled between I-26 and I-77. And because of that, um, Union hasn't had as much economic development as other counties in South Carolina. It is actually a shrinking population. We were heavily involved in the 2020 census this year, so I'll be really mm -hmm. curious to see our population numbers when those are released next year. But it has been a shrinking population. It's an aging population. There's a high number of retirees. Um, sometimes folks who are from Union might leave for their career, for their family, but often find themselves back in Union. We, we know several people in the community like that. Um, what am I forgetting, Rita? Um, so the county itself is like a little more than 500 square miles, and actually about 65% of it is national forest. Um, so there's another barrier for economic development for the county. Yeah. There's one school district in the entire county, which, you know, is a little unusual, I think. A total of six schools. So there's mm -hmm. one high school for the entire county two middle schools, and one of those is actually an elementary and a middle school. 
But we're fortunate to partner really closely with that school district to to reach kids throughout Union County as well. I'll let Rita chime in. Yes. Okay. So we believe that a library plays a crucial role in the community, and that may look different depending on the community. Um, for us, we look at what needs does the community have? What do they have lack a lack of access to? So we just renovated in 2018, and leading up to the renovation, we had community meetings, and they really focused on what does the community value and what does it not have access to that it needs. And um, I often have conversations with people where they say the role of the library is literacy. And we 100% believe, agree, literacy is one of the cornerstones of libraries. But literacy is a really broad term. So there's traditional literacy, which is your ability to read. But there's medical literacy or health literacy Mm -hmm. or financial literacy. Um, There's all these different types of ways that people need to be able to comprehend the world around them. So... Uh, In addition to that, um, we like to use the term education adjacent. So we believe that as an an institution that supports education, one of our main focuses is to make sure that people have whatever they need to be able to get an education. Mm -hmm. So we think really broadly in terms of what that means for libraries. If, If our job is to make sure that somebody's able to be educated, what does our community need to be able to do that? To go into some more specifics about the the medical field and that situation in Union, we have one hospital mm-hmm. for the entire county, you know, one, one school district, one hospital. The hospital's Union Medical Center, one of our, our closest partners. We're very thankful for them. They're a part of Spartanburg Regional, so part of that larger healthcare system in the upstate. But several years ago, uh, Rita and I sat down and had a conversation about addressing some of these gaps. What can the library do? And one thing we we targeted was mental health, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a severe lack of psychologists, psychiatrists in Union County. Um, and so we realized, you know, folks have to go to Newberry, to Spartanburg. And even if there were an abundance of practices within the county, because it's such a small, close-knit community, We know that folks face a lot of that stigma, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. those concerns. And so Rita and I received grant funding from the South Carolina State Library so that I could become a trained mental health first aid instructor. And so I've been really fortunate to train over well over 100 people now in Union County in mental health first aid. And so that was kind of, I would say, the start uh, of us really getting interested and invested into the the health and well-being mm-hmm. of Union County citizens. For sure. Um, and as part of the renovation, when we did renovate the main facility, the Carnegie Library, which up until two years ago was the only library facility in the county, um, we also uh, had concerns about operating an expanded facility as a result of a renovation, and we knew that there were, uh, was a lack of access to resources. Mm-hmm. So we reached out to potential partners to figure out who needed better space, who would be willing to partner with the library on a facility, um, and we're able to bring in United Way, the Piedmont's nonprofit center for Union County, as oh, well wonderful. as workforce development for Union County. Um, and so that really added to the health aspect because uh, until they moved into the facility, I don't think we really knew what those services were. We didn't. Um, right? We, we really didn't. I mean, we, we knew of these agencies mm-hmm. and know that they do amazing, important work. But now because I call them our roommates because they're, <laughs> they're in the building with us. But now that they're our roommates, um, so to speak, we're able to really closely partner with them and 
have that mutually beneficial relationship to help each other expand our footprint Mm -hmm. in Union County. And yeah, and a lot of the services they provide are actually in the counseling arena. So we discovered that these different agencies really provided these different aspects of of health, but there wasn't really a unifying force helping to make sure that people really had holistic. Mm -hmm. Um, We participated in the Office of Rural Health um, SCORE did a the Blueprint for Rural Health program, which is funded through Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm -hmm. And we were in the second cohort in Union County, so we completed that in 2019. Um, And through that process, we got to work with the Office of Rural Health and found out that Blue Cross Blue Shield had actually funded another initiative for them to place social work interns, MSW students who were doing their advanced field placement, um, in a rural public library. And because they saw our involvement in the Blueprint for Health initiative and the role of the library in, our, in Union, they thought that that might be a potential for that program. And we were fortunate to have them choose us and to also have an intern that was willing to come to a rural community. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be one of the biggest barriers when Taylor was talking about lack of uh, professional medical professionals in the community. Mm-hmm. That's because a lot of times they choose not to work in rural communities because they want other things that come with uh, more populated regions. Um, some of that has to do with opportunities for their children. Um, what does the real estate market look like? There's a lot of things that go into when people make those decisions. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. rural communities are often not at the top of the list. Yeah, and the intern was a, um, a student from the University of South Carolina's College of Social Work, correct? Yes. yes. Um, and uh, so that kind of, we, you know, I learned a lot. I was a, I was a field instructor <laughs> uh, with, a, and, and we had a supervising social worker as well, somebody who was licensed. Um, but, you know, in terms of day-to-day mm-hmm. on site, that largely fell to me. And um, I was really unfamiliar with social work as a profession. And through that process, I learned how important case management can be to holistic. Um, When Taylor talked about mental health and stigma with mental health, when you have somebody who's doing case management, who's licensed like a social worker, they can do some of the counseling, um, but it's not that somebody's going for therapy. Mm -hmm. They're getting help for food or clothing or education or whatever they might need to be able to be successful but the counseling is part of it as a holistic approach. And our intern really kind of helped us look inward at our own internal practices within Mm -hmm. the library as well, which I think was great for all of our staff. And so she made some suggestions and recommendations for us. So we now have created a a wellness room, so to speak, within the library. We actually, Rita, you don't know this, we've ordered a new, ottoman and glider so those really comfortable you know those chairs and we have a a oil diffuser in there Mm -hmm. and soft lighting and a sound machine and all of these things in there and so it's a place where even staff can go you know if you're having a hard day and you need to take uh, a few minutes to kind of calm and Mm -hmm. recenter yourself and so having our intern was really you know beneficial for the community as a whole mm-hmm. but for us as well to kind of look as an organization and say what can we do to to better ourselves and and to help our staff 
That sounds like that was a really um, nice uh, synchronicity of uh, coming together with you, you know, the library renovation. So you're yeah. meeting up with the United Way and making fuller connections than were before. I know in a smaller community, you guys all know each other and, you know, kind of know what's going on. But having those conversations to make the connections and then with the College of Social Work, bringing in a social worker to help expand some staff capacity and provide a learning experience. So really mutually beneficial. But you're also saying that organizationally, even if that wasn't the intent of bringing in the social work intern really benefiting and continued benefits right it was an added bonus absolutely yeah and it really inspired um looking for an opportunity like this grant um Mm -hmm. in which we wanted to continue to have interns we love being able to provide that non-traditional social work setting as a Mm -hmm. learning opportunity um but we really wanted to build on it um and wanted to expand case management um, and especially having case management that's not necessarily through mental health or DSS, but a more neutral space where somebody's able to really help um, families, I think, is one of our biggest priorities. And making sure that, that people really do know what the resources are and are able to access them as mm-hmm. needed. Yeah, and one of the things when we were thinking about this program, again, you know, we'd heard about the great work in Union and some with uh, Richland Library. I'd had some previous work uh, with, with them. One of the things that really struck me is I think we have 47 library systems uh, across the state and um, 191 locations at the last lo- list I looked at, though with renovations and other things, it, that's probably a, a flexible number. But if you think about the different types of locations for healthcare, um, and, and access throughout all communities. Most rural communities have some sort of library. They have some of those areas, and we have communities, as you said, without hospitals. I know you guys do have one, but we have several in the state that don't. But the other part that really um, struck me in doing the research and also talking to you and others is that libraries are such a, a place that is um, known by everyone, welcoming to everyone. It's a place where everyone feels welcome to come. You might have a mother, or as you were talking about with the family coming in, to the library for story time and that's the perfect opportunity for someone such as a social worker to have a conversation and just learn oh some of the needs and make those connections versus someone saying okay I need to find childcare, I need to find this help um, but a much more um, it's purposeful so I don't want to say um, I guess a more organic way to make that connection um, still very purposeful and trying to meet the need not just leaving things to chance there is a strategy behind it but um, an area that everyone can go and have have access to and be welcome we try to think of ourselves as a a one-stop shop so to speak and i know that rita and i both have stories of an individual or a family coming in for a reason you know to check out books to get a copy or make a fax and then they learn about another service or program or an opportunity that we have and they walk out with something that that was not their original intention <laughs> for visiting the library. You know, mm-hmm. that, that happens all the time. And, and we're really grateful for that. And, and the flip side of that is that we have people who come in to see our partners for very serious issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times they may be bringing children with them for those meetings or the children may be the ones that are there to see, use mm-hmm. the services. And when they come into the library and they see all the other resources, a lot of times then it's, it's like, oh, well, we'll need to make sure we come back. Oh, yeah. And so that's also for us. That was one of our hopes is that by diversifying services, we would have more people coming into the library, uh, which is actually what uh, definitely happened. So mm-hmm. mission accomplished. 
Uh, Check. Yeah. So another positive outcome of yeah. increasing outreach. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing is that we, you know, there's a, a lot of times people ask, why do libraries do all these things that aren't directly literacy? Mm-hmm. In addition to seeing ourselves as education adjacent, um, by having different services, by doing all those programs, the goal is to get people to come into the library because once they come in, they're more likely to use the other resources. And so, you you know, if somebody, you know, an adult with a, a lower education level or a lower reading comprehension level is not necessarily going to feel comfortable going to the library to learn to read. But if they're already coming to the library for other reasons, they may be like, well, let me also check out these resources. And so that's what we really hope is to have that sort of mutually beneficial relationship. Well, that is so wonderful um, sharing the experiences, and I know you're wanting to build on that, and that's part of the one of the reasons you applied for for the grant. And thrilled to be working with you over the next year, and hopefully three years, because we are planning for the program. We um, had planned to award up uh, to four awards of about a hundred thousand dollars each per year for up to three years, um, pending c- a continued availability of funds. We actually ended up funding five communities, and as I said before, those are Charleston, Kershaw, Lee, the Tri County Health Network in Orangeburg and Union County. And um, what I found really interesting with some of the applications we received, we did receive a few talking about working with social workers, of course, you, uh, Union, and Kershaw, and we'll talk more specifically about that. But I also want to mention that some other models that are being looked at include community health workers, um, connecting to telehealth, connecting to other areas. So one of the aspects of this program is that we were intentional in looking for and funding communities that were ready and had these plans and some great partners in place, but also in the upstate, the Midlands, the Lowcountry, and the PD, and also many different kinds of communities. So I just want to mention for our listeners, we're doing the deep dive into y'all's experience um, in Union and in that project, but we're really excited about the lessons that we'll be able to learn in working all over the state with many different models to see what works, and also those uh, successes, those challenges, and those lessons that can be learned to hopefully spread this across the state and potentially the nation. Um, I know there is a lot of work nationally. Um, We've seen um, in our research, there's a lot of co-location of healthcare clinics and libraries, but they tend to be in more uh, urban areas areas, not as necessarily with their rural model. So we really saw the opportunity to deep dive South Carolina rural and and meet a need and be able to work with so many partners. So for you guys with Union, you had the social work uh, intern and you really learned a lot and it helped. What did you guys learn and what are the plans? Because the awards just came out in October, so I know you're (laughs) ramping up again and you guys are ready to go from your previous experience. But what are you changing up? What are the plans for the future? What will you be doing? Who are you partnering with? Because there were some really cool expansions and ideas that you guys included. We use a what we call micro branches or satellite locations in Union, mm-hmm. um, which are uh, shared spaces that provide library resources. Um, right now, so in addition to the Carnegie Library, which is the main library facility, we have three other micro branches, um, and they're each in municipal complexes in our incorporated towns. Um, so in addition to the city of Union, uh, we have three other incorporated municipalities mm-hmm. in Union, which are Lockhart, Carlisle, and Jonesville. Um, and we actually first started working in these spaces when we were renovating the library. Uh, we had It's a very long story, but our temporary <laughs> facility where we had planned to provide service made it a day and a half before we experienced uh, catastrophic flooding. Oh, dear. Um, and had to very, very quickly come up with a plan B 
uh, that we definitely did not have in place. And we reached out to all of our partners, started calling around, asked who would let us provide library services in their spaces. And all of our municipalities were like, come on down. We'd love to have a library <laughs> over here. Um, but See, I love just, that, the welcoming and the, OK, problem. Hey, this is, yeah, absolutely. we can help. Yeah. yeah. They I mean, really saved the day for Oh, us. my gosh. Like, I can't tell you, like, the day that happened, we had like a staff meeting and we all came together and we were like, all right, we have to figure out what we're going to do for library service. What ideas does everybody have? We distributed like a call list. We did. And said, we need staff to start calling these people and figure out who's going to help the library. So like, like co-calling, hi, oh, I know you, can you help oh, us? Can we come? Can, we've heard that you support library? the library. <laughs> Is there a way that you might be able to now? <laughs> and news spread very quickly. So the the flood was kind of a, a big deal and the you know it was front page news on on the local paper and so some people even started reaching out to us you know asking how could they help what could mm-hmm. they do yeah because we had spent the the previous month moving we moved ourselves we mm-hmm. actually moved ourselves out of the library all 40,000 books and other materials and um, like Rita said we were in that space for a day and a half and Wow. The flood happened. So wow. I, I think people took pity on us, <laughs> which ended up, you know, being a great benefit to us. Yeah. Um and one of those one of those partnerships that came out of that was actually with USC Union, the University of South Carolina's Union campus. Um they allowed us to have an administrative space there too. So we had frontline staff out at these branch locations or micro branches or satellites. Um and then Taylor and I and a couple of the other full-time staff uh, got to share a conference room uh, for months, <laughs> but we survived. But yeah, so and and as a result of that, we actually ended up partnering to be the academic library for USC Union, which is now okay. the Carnegie Library mm-hmm. serves as the academic library space, uh, and that's one of Taylor's one of the things, the many many things that Taylor does <laughs> includes handling academic services right and that again has been a great partnership Mm -hmm. for us and I like to think uh, a benefit to USC Union as well because they as a campus are rapidly growing and expanding which is amazing they've added in the past few years they've added several athletic programs which is great for recruitment they also now have a four-year nursing program which is amazing Um, so because of all of this they're actually running out of space you know, that there's only a few actual campus buildings. And the old library over on campus is a pretty large space, all things considered. And so by them transferring academic services over to the Carnegie, mm-hmm. that freed up this space for them, which they are currently working on renovating and are going to be turning into classroom space, office space. So that's that's exciting for them as well. And just for people who are not familiar with Union, this is like a two block walk. Like the distance from the Carnegie Library to the academic library that was on campus is two and a half blocks so very minimal so it's not you know we didn't really move all it did was help spread the footprint of Mm -hmm. the college campus which is something that's helpful for redevelopment economic development in union so Mm -hmm. um yeah 
And then, the, so the micro branches, um, we kind of piloted them during our renovation um, and then decided that we really wanted to continue with that model. Um, instead of doing a bookmobile, which is a conventional model for rural libraries, they tend to have a, a singular main facility and then the next thing they add is a bookmobile um, because a bookmobile can obviously mm-hmm. go around the county. Um, there were a couple concerns for us with a bookmobile. Um, one, they're expensive to operate. You need at least one full-time staff and two part-time staff because of the schedule. Okay. Um, they often have generators on them, and generators break all the time. Like the number of directors that'll be emailing the group about a problem with the generator on the bookmobile is like. So we knew that there were some issues there, um, and we felt that we could provide library spaces in each of these communities at a lower cost mm-hmm. by doing the micro branch model because we are sharing a space, so we don't have to pay for the operating of the facility Uh, we do help with maintenance um, and they're already staffed by municipal employees um, and so we don't need to provide a lot of library staff because there's already staff in the building we are very concerned about safety Mm -hmm. so we don't like staff to work by themselves in a space just because if something happens you really want to witness like I mean you just Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day many many rural libraries and they still do in the state will operate a, a facility and it'll be a standalone library facility and it'll have one staff in it Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's what's affordable, so I understand why that happens, but it's something that, that we just really wanted to try to make sure that our staff felt safe. Mm-hmm. Not that any of these communities are unsafe, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. public spaces. Oh, well, even if someone falls or exactly. someone, a patron, has oh, a medical sure. episode or, exactly. or something. There's so many reasons. so many reasons. So, um, so be, by providing part-time staff in these locations, not only is it less expensive than a bookmobile, but the library services are therefore in the community more than once a week or once every two weeks for a couple hours. It's there mm-hmm. for 10, 20 hours a week. Um, and we also, because we are a public library, we have access to uh, E-rate uh, internet services, which is available for K-12 schools, public schools, and public libraries because we're anchor institutions mm-hmm. in communities as as um, identified by the FCC. So this is federal legislation that allows funding for it. And it guarantees uh, broadband internet at a quality appropriate for education. So all of our locations have fiber internet, 100 megabytes per second, and that internet is available 24-7. So we're able to help expand broadband in the community. We're able to provide our municipalities with upgraded internet infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, for one of our communities, there was there was no broadband in that community until we put the library in. Yeah, many, many communities in South Carolina, that's a push, but the library really has been a driver of increasing access to broadband yeah. in, in Union. And the one of the best things about that is that because it's a federally funded program, it's at almost no cost to the library and no cost to the municipalities. We don't pay the monthly fees to operate the internet because it's provided mm-hmm. by the government. Um, and we don't have to pay for the infrastructure costs for a provider to bring it in. And it's filtered and mm-hmm. you know secure and everything. And again, that that's not even through us. That's yeah. And I imagine that's been inc- even more important. It's always been important, but with COVID and with schools shutting down and virtual learning, um, do you see, did you really see much increase in, in people coming and taking advantage of that for the so, educational options? In one of the three municipalities in Jonesville, we've actually partnered with the the town of Jonesville, mm-hmm. and we've created what we call the Jonesville Virtual Learning Center. 
And so library staff are out in Jonesville four afternoons a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And so anybody, but this is really geared specifically for students mm-hmm. who are doing yeah, the you timing know, with right me. virtual learning or hybrid learning. Um, and so they're able to come into the location, which again, like Rita said, it's within the town hall. It's the library space. It's actually. Um, it's a, a school, a former school that mm-hmm. this is, and so it's in the old cafeteria, is what, that's what everybody calls it, the old cafeteria. And so we have computers set up, you know, there's Wi-Fi, so you can bring your own devices, you can use our devices, and it, it's definitely been popular. We've, we've had kids and families and parents um, out there all the time. So I think that's been a great benefit to, to that community. Absolutely. Um, and so through the grant um, or through this program, I know you're planning on hiring a full-time social worker. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and the plans? Rita and I have actually been talking about uh, the job description because that, that's <laughs> kind of our, our next step. Yeah. And I, I think we'll probably have to maybe get some help on that since we're both librarians and we're, we're not social workers. So that's, that's our, our next process. Well, we can, we can help connect you and with some of the other PDs right. that we have. And I guess I should mention, we just announced the awards in October and we're taping this, um, actually election day, the beginning of November. So if this airs later in November, December, um, depending on the airing time to our listeners, this is definitely a very appropriate time for getting up and going that's, um, that's true. with all that, the timeline. I just want to mention that in case someone's listening months later so they don't think, what? (laughs) A little delay. delay. No, we're right on schedule. Right on schedule. (laughs) Yeah, this is November 3rd. (laughs) So that's really our next stop is starting to focus on on hiring. Yeah. um, So we're talking about a full-time social worker. Uh, We're also in the grant. We plan to expand the number of micro-branch sites looking for other um, partnership facilities um, that are like, you know, public spaces looking at working with fire departments. um, And we've talked about utilities companies, just looking for spaces that are in areas of the county that lack internet access, lack resources. um, And targeting those for expanding broadband Mm -hmm. access um, partially is a catalyst for economic development because once that infrastructure is in there then the county can pursue additional grant funds to build it out without having to deal with the barrier of a provider saying Mm -hmm. we won't provide service to that area Um, it's essentially not an option for a public library they're required to provide service um, so the social work uh, person will be helping to supervise an intern and continue that mm-hmm. initiative. Yeah, continuing that educational partnership, which um, is so important. Um, I'm sorry to go on just a little bit of a tangent here, but also when we think about workforce development and building the workforce in rural areas, having the opportunity for social workers to get that um, that experience of working in a rural area is so critically important for their training and also recruitment for folks to come and live in rural areas, realizing how wonderful it is and how much um, how meaningful the work can be. So that absolutely that's another wonderful part of y'all's plans is that that continued relationship with the College of Social Work, which um, the center we work with them and some of their workforce development too. So it, it it's a nice coming together. But that's a that's a really critical piece I think too. In addition to having the full time social worker be able to do more. Yes. Um, but continuing that partnership so yes. sorry Rita no you're fine no absolutely we love being able to use our library as a space for people to learn about rural communities and to grow we do that with young professionals too 
our staff skews towards young professionals. We know that we tend to not have the resources for really competitive salaries. So we try to make sure that we're accommodating on experience and qualifications and look really for candidates that have a great aptitude uh, that we can help them professionally through this opportunity, give them an opportunity for growth, and then help them go on to something that ultimately uh, allows them for a faster career advancement. We as an organization have obviously been through a lot in the past few years and mm-hmm. have had a lot of growth, mm-hmm. um, a lot of growth. And I would say for both Rita and I, in addition to each other, obviously they, they've really been our rock and they love Union County. They love the people of Union County. And many are from Union, but we have mm-hmm. many who aren't. And I think they're so invested in that community mm-hmm. and it's really great to see. What have you guys learned through this work and what would you recommend to um, say there's a, another director or a staff member at a rural library listening that would like to try to start up a program? Like Rita was saying earlier, you know, people tend to pigeonhole libraries and what we do and say, you know, you're all about books and you're all about literacy. And while that's obviously a major foundation of, of who we are and what we do, we are capable of doing so much more for our communities. But it's not always going to come to you. You have to chase it. And I think sometimes um, we just don't do that for whatever reason. It's because we don't know that those opportunities are out there. It's because, you know, you think, oh, we're just a library. We can't do this. But you absolutely can, you know, that these opportunities are out there. You just have to, to think outside the box. For sure. And I, I think the, the one of the other big issues is that libraries are traditionally underfunded. Um, they're still working to get back to the funding level that they were at in 2007 from the state in South Carolina. Um, and uh, you spoke earlier about the libraries in the state. Um, every county is required to have a public library per state law. Um, but that doesn't mean that the counties are necessarily able to fund them. Um, And the legislation requires that the county fund a public library at the same level they did two years prior. So for us, that was a barrier for seeing our funding increase at the local level because there was concerns about maintaining that funding. Mm, Um, And so like like Taylor was saying, thinking outside of the box, um, we understand that for libraries that are struggling to manage to provide services with the resources they have, the funding they have, that it can be overwhelming to think about how you would expand services because it's like, I'm already doing so much, I don't have time or resources or capacity to do more. And so we really focus on how do you take a step back, assess what resources you have access to in your community and how do you work with them to leverage them more effectively. And through that, we've actually, you know, in the last three years, uh, our our operating budget increased by 50%, and that was not local funding. That was looking for alternative revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Um, and our staff has increased by arguably about 50% as well. And I'm Rita, you might be talking about this, but uh, almost half of our staff are actually not on our payroll. Like Rita said, and this happened prior to us becoming the Academic Library for USC Union, mm-hmm. but we actually have several work studies through them. Um, it's really an added benefit 
in so many ways that I, I can't even begin to tell you all of the, the projects and things that they help us with, which is fantastic. So we can have up to three work studies through them. We've also had, we've partnered with United Way and AmeriCorps. And so we've had um, several AmeriCorps VISTAs throughout the years. Uh, we currently have one right now who is our financial stability navigator. We, we don't rely like we when we hire full-time we're we're not looking for people with library experience we're looking for people who are going to be able to do the work but finally we've we've kind of uh nurtured two additional librarians so we have our our full-time programs and outreach Mm -hmm. she was hired as our full-time programs and outreach coordinator and this year, she actually got her master's in library science. And so she's now our programs and outreach librarian. Yay. And then our IT coordinator as well. She's currently earning her master's in library science from USC. Oh, fantastic. And yeah. So I, I like our, our method because we, we don't ask necessarily for library experience. But we like to think because of this environment we've created, we're we're kind of nurturing mm-hmm. future librarians. We do have a question that we ask of all of our guests. Um, how do you define rural? Because there's Ooh. so many definitions out there, federal definitions. So I have to say, before I worked in Union, um, if you would ever ask me at any point in my life if I would be working in rural South Carolina, the answer was absolutely not. Um, and it was such a tremendous experience. Um, Union, like anywhere else, has plenty of issues. So I don't want to. Uh, imply that Union is is a perfect place. Clearly, it's it's got its issues just like anywhere else. Um, but like, what a welcoming community! There are so many people there that are really committed to that community. I don't mm-hmm. think you find yourself in Union unless you are invested. I would agree. Like, you're not gonna move and live in Union and stay there more than like three years unless you really believe in what that community can be mm-hmm. um, and find that sense of belonging there. I would agree with Rita, though, mm-hmm. and I would have said the same thing um, years ago if you'd asked me if I'd live in, in rural South Carolina, I would have run away, probably screaming in the opposite direction. And I didn't even see myself living you know, fully in South Carolina, mm-hmm. being from here. But I, I have to agree with Rita that it's it's a very welcoming place. And there's there's so many agencies there that want to do so much good, you know, for that community. And, and we have many that we partner with and work with on a regular basis. And it's really inspiring to see the work that people do and the, the common goals, you know, that we all have. And that's what I think about when I think about Union. And to your question of what is rural, for us, rural is really... Um, it's, it's less regulated, um, it's less populated. Um, there might be more limited access to resources. But I think also on the flip side, there's an increased chance for opportunity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at it from that point of view, that there's, there's more room and more space for opportunity, for growth, for chances for agencies like the library or hospitals or medical centers to to step up mm-hmm. and to, to fill social services gaps and, and any other gaps that that community might be facing. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure rural communities have so much potential and, and places like Union, 
you're able to say, this is what needs to be done and we're going to do it. And everybody says, awesome. We're glad you're going to do that. You know, it's not, there's much less competition. It's not like this agency does this. And while there is, I mean, to be clear, we believe strongly in partnering, not duplicating. So we, especially in a rural community, it is a waste of resources if you're Mm going to provide the same service somebody else does. And honestly, you're going to compete against each other for funding. So um, part of the partnerships is really how do we build each other up? How does working together provide us with more opportunity? Um, but rural, rural communities have this agility that major areas don't have. Like, we know all of the elected officials. If you wanted to get something done, it, it's really the will mm-hmm. of the community to see it happen. And of course, that's one of the biggest issues is getting everybody on board towards the same goal. Um, But there is this ability to make something happen that you get in a rural community that you don't get in more urban areas. I'd say to kind of sum it up, because we've really walked our way all around (laughs) the, the definition of rural, that to someone on the outside, a rural place might seem like it's lacking, you know, in, in every sense. It might be lacking in things to do, might be lacking in economic development, might be lacking in people, might be lacking in infrastructure. But speaking from someone who has lived in Union for years at this point, I tend to view it as a, a land that's rich with opportunity. Well, thank you, Taylor and Rita, for spending uh, your morning with me and talking more about why libraries, how libraries can be connected to communities and and health and really can be that central location for so many things, including being able to be a destination and be able to help connect folks to needed social services, behavioral health, other types of health care, and really looking forward to continuing to work with you guys as the social worker gets onboarded and uh, moving forward and all of the libraries that are going to be part of this program. So, you know, we've talked about building a learning collaborative. So really um, all the systems being able to learn from each other and the different experiences with community health workers, social work, telehealth, and uh, finding what works, what doesn't work, lessons learned. I think one thing from our conversation that really came through strong um, is that it's, it's the partnerships, it's the getting to know folks that really bring things together. And that's been a theme, I think, with all the libraries that I've spoken to, it's being able to be that hub and that connector. So both with healthcare, but then in all the other areas. So very uh, exciting work and look forward to continuing to see what um, comes out of it. So I wanna thank um, you for joining us, of course, and also our listeners for joining us in the conversation. I hope you found it as fascinating as I did. We will be adding some links uh, to the show notes uh, for I think the social media for the library and some other resources around libraries and libraries and health. So everyone, please stay tuned for more episodes coming out soon. If you've liked what you've heard, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen and to podcasts and leave us a rating. And if you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear on our program, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And that's all for today. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Growing Rural Podcast. If you found the content valuable, please leave a rating on iTunes or Spotify so others can find us. For more information, please visit our website at sc.edu forward slash rural healthcare or follow us on Twitter at SC underscore CRPH. This was recorded at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Columbia. It is edited and produced by Sean Riffle. Y'all take care.